morning. Come on in. We'll get the door shut. Feels like kind of a lazy, rainy morning. But that's going to change because we're going to play really loud. So stand up. We'll praise the King. Yeah, 
Oh God, words fail when we try to describe your goodness and the hope that you've put in our hearts, Lord. God, just thank you for it. Thank you for the peace that we have because of you, Lord. Thank you that we're no longer your enemies. God, thank you that through the blood of Christ, you consider us sons and daughters. And Lord, just thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Am I on? There we go. Morning, everybody. Morning. I got the announcements for today. First off, we got the mission update. Um, let me put this on. Uh, before I read this, so at the grocery store, you know, like, they're pretty friendly out there. And this, uh, when I was checking out, the lady tried to tell me a joke, but I didn't get it. It just didn't register with me. Oh. What? <laughs> Anyway, so I got a re, uh, update from Pastor Rajesh over at, uh, in India. He says, uh, Dear friends in Christ, loving greetings in Jesus' name. Hope it finds you doing well. By the grace of God, we're doing well and praying for you all. Last month, God has been doing wonderful things in our lives. He used me to speak and teach the word of God in our church service and four other places in India. Uh, COVID effects are coming down, so please keep praying for us. Uh, it says, our local government has not yet officially given the permission to open the church building, but people are meeting in houses, so that's really cool. Uh, we like to thank you for remembering us in your prayers and encouraging with loving offering. Uh, may God bless you and keep you safe and healthy. Uh, please keep praying for, and then they have a list of needs. Uh, this will be posted over here in the, on the bulletin board, so you can kind of see the list of things that he's looking for prayer for. So that's from Pastor Rajesh over in India. All right, so, uh, of course, as usual, we have lunch right after service. Everyone's invited. Uh, I don't know what's being served today. What was it again? Beef noodles and garlic bread, and then Olivia's got brownies for birthdays. So hopefully you guys will be able to get some brownies. Um, I might get in there before you, so you might want to hurry, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, of course, women's study about 1 o'clock afterwards, and then Daniel's doing the Daniel study. No, it's not on his life. It's the book of Daniel in the Bible, although maybe later on he'll do a thing on his life. I don't know. Um, we'll have a quick youth study here uh, in the sanctuary. And, then of course, on Wednesdays, 6.30 pizza. And then worship and study is still going through the Old Testament at 7 o'clock. So be here for that. Coming up, October 1st to 2nd, first weekend of October, we got the Deep South Men's Conference at Calvary Chapel, Lexington. There is a sign-up sheet. Uh, right there on the in the welcome area, and then also I believe towards the end of the month is also the women's conference coming up. Uh, so it's called Brick by Brick. So that's coming up on the 22nd and 23rd of October, and that's right here at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. Uh, so sign up for that. We don't have a sign up for that sheet for that yet, uh, but that's coming. And then of course. Uh, we still need volunteers. Right now, I've got three teachers in the, in the kids' children's church. Could use one more. Um, could also use someone to do check-in. Uh, it's pretty simple. You go over there, check the kids in, make sure they don't take off, stuff like that. Um, but we could use someone to do that also. Uh, so please see me or Rob for that. 
And then uh, we still need donations, clothes donations for our, our clothes closet. Or we still need more for men's clothes than women's? Um, we always seem to need more men's, but we're um, focusing on like fall, winter stuff now. Fall, okay. So, so like warm. Hair, yeah, maybe, maybe no shorts and tank tops. Yeah, shorts and tank tops are not generally good in the wintertime unless you're one of those weird guys who always wear shorts. I know one personally. He always wears shorts. You too? You're one of those? Okay. So I know too. Um, so please donate to that. And of course, you got our new little QR code. Scan that. You get a little app on your phone for us. Also on that, what's cool is that when you get on there, for example, the men's conference coming up, it'll pop up, the, of course, the announcement for it, but also on there, it'll be a link to register so that you don't necessarily have to write on our sign-up sheet if you've forgotten how to write because you've been typing so long. You can just click on that link and you can register for that and also uh, for any of the events coming up like the women's also so you can get on there click on that and so that's a really cool way to just say hey, you want to go to it sign up boom done uh, let's see praise reports praise reports this week cool stuff going on clay in the back so some of you know that I've been interviewing for a job for a really long time and I was offered it so yeah. Pen so pending a, a background check. Uh, good morning, everybody. I just want to let you know I'm about to have my fifth grandchild coming today. And my wife is three months pregnant. What? Praise the Lord. Did y'all forget how that happens? Wow. That's our new church growth program. <laughs> Did everybody get your wife pregnant and we'll have a big old church? <laughs> okay, so most of you probably know from the lineup that my mom came through surgery pretty well. Um, the doctor said that the surgery went better than he expected which is good. They were able to free up her spinal cord so she's no longer has the impingement, but of course now we're dealing with the pain from the surgery and all that. She's got a huge incision in the back of her back. Um, so all of that is good, but um, the doctors discovered that she has been having little mini strokes all along for a long time. Um, and the, the major one that she had that ended her up in the hospital, when they did the MRI, nobody ever told us. <laughs> so we had no idea. I mean, we all knew something was going on with her, but we weren't sure exactly what was happening. So now we've also discovered all these little lesions in her brain from these little mini strokes that she's been having all along. Mm. And the spinal surgeon was the one who told us about it. <laughs> which is weird because he shouldn't have anything to do with that, but he knew it, so he told us. So at least we now know kind of what's going on. There's some things going on, but with the praise report, major prayer request because we're having to make some decisions about whether to put her in a rehab center, mm -hmm. and there probably won't be any visitation, mm -hmm. and I don't know how long she's going to be there. So please just pray for us to make the right decision. Love you, sister. 
Any other uh, praise reports? Oh, Graham, I am. Real simple. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We're alive. <laughs> Everything's getting darker. Everything seems to be kind of headed downward in a way. Um, and every single day, I just try and remember who I am and whose I am mm -hmm. and uh, who he is and everything that he's done for us because we've, we've had such a linear existence in most of our lives where things have, even if it's very incremental, even if it's a 0.1% increase per year, we've all seen life get a little bit better over time. And now it seems like it might be headed the other direction and linearity is out the window and um, you, you lose focus sometimes. And uh, so for me today, my praise is praise the Lord for who he is. No matter what happens, no matter what comes down the pike, um, he's still God. He's still in control. And he's got all this taken care of no matter what happens. Amen. Amen. Any other praise reports? Prayer requests. Anyone need prayer for something? Got Tracy in the back, course Monica up front. Anyone else? Michaela. So gather around, Michaela, Tracy, Monica, if you would, pray for them. Um, students are dismissed to their class. If you would just gather around them and pray.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being our God, for loving us so much, for answering prayer, and Lord, hearing our prayers. And Father, we just uh, lift each other up to you now. And Lord, as we dig into your word, we just ask that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would give us uh, wisdom and understanding, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts uh, as individuals, Lord, that we would hear exactly what we need to hear this morning, Lord, uh, and just change us, make us more like you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, good morning. If you would, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 5. <clears throat> so chapter 3 starts the second half of this letter by Paul to the church in Colossae. And Paul gives practical application to the doctrines that he's been teaching about in chapters 1 and 2. And after all, really, what's the point of learning how to live in Christ if we don't put it into practice? And, you know, we've all seen Christians that declare and defend the truth of God's word and then fail to demonstrate it in their own lives. You know, their social media or whatever, it's full of posts defending the truth of God while their personal lives deny the doctrines that they profess to love. Uh, Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. It's pretty harsh. Um, the pagan religions during this time that Paul wrote this letter, uh, they were not concerned about personal morality. You know, they would go pay homage to their false god, whoever it is. They'd bow before the idol. They'd place the offering on the altar. And then they would just live their lives however they wanted to live their lives. Uh, it was completely separate. It was almost as if they were paying off their false gods so they could just do and live their lives as they saw fit. Uh, it kind of reminds me of organized crime in the big cities. You know, as long as the business pays their dues to the mob, the mob will allow them to continue to operate the business they, wait, they see fit, you know. There's a lot of Christians today with this same mentality. You know, uh, several years ago, we were ministering to a guy that was in a difficult life situation. He had lost his job and his home and his vehicle, and uh, I was giving him rides to job interviews and stuff, and he would just give us a chance to talk, to offer some counsel, and pray for him, and, uh, and this is when we were still setting up at the community center, and so a couple of times I went and picked him up early uh, because we were setting up. That was the time I could get, get him, and uh, so he could come, you know, help and, and attend the church service, and his idea was helping. He would go... Uh, in the nursery and sit in the rocking chair and fall asleep before the service. And then during the service, he would put in earbuds. And he'd be listening to something else on his phone the whole time. And in his mind, he felt like he was making this huge sacrifice to physically be present at a church service. And so now God owed him like a good job and a vehicle and a place to live. I mean, literally, this is what he said to me. He said, if God would just help me get a vehicle, then I won't bother him anymore. You know, like he was doing God a favor by, hey, just give me this one thing, God, and then you won't have to hassle with me anymore. Uh, but unfortunately, this is a very common mindset among people that attend churches in America. You know, they sacrificed a whole hour or two on a Sunday morning to attend a church service, and they're not really interested in learning the Bible. You know, keep the sermon short, full of allegory, antidotes and jokes, whatever, minimum amount of scripture to still consider it some sort of sermon. 
And, you know, whatever the pastor can do to help them get through this hour-long insurance seminar, you know, in their mind, so they can punch the clock, make their payment to the mob, I mean God, and, and he'll still keep their lives running smoothly and trouble-free. It's like, they look at it like preventative maintenance, you know, just makes sense, you know, keep all the bases covered, like getting your oil changed on your vehicle every six months, Christmas and Easter, right? And uh, so often what a person says they believe has no direct relationship to how they live. They kind of apply the Vegas rules to Sunday mornings. You know, what happens at church stays at church. And uh, in Paul's time, the Christian faith brought a whole new concept into this pagan society. As Christians, what we believe should have a direct result in the way we live our lives. Just as Paul has been teaching us, faith in Christ means means being united to Christ. And if we share in his life, we should be following his example as we live this life. You know, how can Jesus reside or live in us through the Holy Spirit and also permit us to continue to live a life of sin? You know, the, the root of sin really is rebellion against God, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with eating a piece of fruit. God made it to eat. Unless God tells you, like he did Adam and Eve, do not eat that piece of fruit. At the heart of Adam and Eve's decision was, oh yeah? Well, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. That's the heart of that. This is the heart of sin. It's telling God through one's mind and one's actions, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. The heart of repentance, the heart of coming to Jesus, is asking him to be the Lord of your life. It's the exact opposite. It's telling God through our minds and through our actions, please tell me what to do. You are the boss of me. You are my master, my creator, my Lord. And I know you have the absolute best plan for every single aspect of my life. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I'm telling you? In other words, Jesus is saying, why is your mouth professing me to be the Lord of your life when your actions are professing, don't tell me what to do, you're not the boss of me? Which one is the truth? What you're saying and what you're doing, they're contradictory. Is the truth coming out of your mouth or is the truth being displayed in your actions? Let's look at the rest of this whole statement from Jesus. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. So everyone who hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and, it could, not, and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do do them is like a man who built his house on ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. In other words, if your mouth is saying, Jesus, you're the boss of me, and your actions are saying, don't tell me what to do, you're not the boss of me, then you have no foundation, and your life is headed for ruin. However, if your mouth is saying to Jesus, you're the boss of me, and your actions are saying to Jesus, Tell me what you want me to do. You're the boss of me. You're in charge. Then your life is built on this impenetrable foundation. Now, it doesn't mean we don't ever mess up. 
You know, if your earthly boss, for example, tells you to do something a certain way, and you decide you're going to try to do it your own way, a different way, and you mess it all up, uh, now, it is possible for us to know better than our earthly boss. So don't, however, we will never know better than Jesus. So in this example, the boss is perfect. So you decide to do it your way, you mess it all up, and then you're honest with your boss and you tell them, you know, I tried to do it my way and it didn't really work out like I thought it was going to work out and I'm sorry, it, you know, it won't happen again. This attitude shows that you consider them your boss still. You just made a mistake thinking you had a better way to do it. And again, we're talking about perfect Jesus in this boss example. So now after Paul has given us two chapters here about doctrine in Christ, who we are in Christ, he now transitions in chapter 3 to what we do with that, or how do we respond to that. He's transitioned from Christian doctrine to Christian duty. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 again. If, you have been, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And last week, Pastor Daniel did a great job starting us off in this section with these first four very positive verses. You know, because we have a new life in Jesus, we get to seek the things that are above, and we get to set our minds on the things that are above. And when Christ appears, we will appear with him in glory in that same type of glorious body that Jesus now has. And now, the section that I get to cover in verse 5, we see this radical turn from the positive to the negative. Paul goes from our new glorious life in Christ and what we get to do because we have this new life in Christ to now what that old life, the sinful nature, does and desires to do and how we should no longer be doing these things. But you know... Negative warnings and commands, they grow out of the positive truths of Christian doctrine. A routine oil change is not going to fix a, a broken blower motor in your car's heating and air system, as Greg and I both discovered this uh, week with both of our vehicles. Uh, and we took our vehicles to the shop. They had to dismantle a lot of stuff, dig into there, remove a lot of things, really dig into it to get those bad blower motors out, and they replace them with brand new ones. And it's often the same with Scripture. It digs deep into our lives, and it's not always what we want to hear. And so in churches where they want to keep the part-timers coming back, uh, where they want to, you know, hurry up and get their houses built on the sound with sand without the foundation, they kind of breeze over sections of Scripture like this. But I know all of you well enough to know that the reason you're here is because you're interested in digging deep and setting your foundation on the rock who is Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yes. So let's dig in in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. So because we have died with Christ and because we have a new life in him and because the Holy Spirit has come inside of us and empowered us to live this new Christian life in Christ Jesus, he has granted us 
the power to, rec to recognize our flesh and our sinful nature as dead, to recognize it as dead, and therefore no longer allowing it to have power over us. In Romans chapter 6, verse 5, we read, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace." Consider yourselves or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So not only is Paul telling us what not to do, he gets specific and he starts naming sins here. And again, it's not su such a popular thing among part-timers. But the truth is, these things belong to the old life. They have no part in our new lives in Christ. Paul says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Well, what things? Verse 5 again. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire are all terms referring to sexual sin. Covetousness is... Uh, simple but insidious greed and nothing less than idolatry. We, we know Jesus would never walk in these sins. And because we identify with him, we shouldn't be walking in them either. Sexual immorality, the Greek word pornea, is, is a broad general term for all kinds of illicit sexual behavior. Impurity or uncleanness or filthiness, it speaks of a wider perversion. Passion is lust or uncontrollable desire. Evil desire speaks of illicit cravings. So it's not just outward behavior. Lust, uncontrollable desire, illicit cravings, these things happen in the mind. And when we refuse to take these thoughts captive, we start dwelling on them. And that's where it starts. And that's what gets the ball rolling. And then the body, with its chemicals and hormones, reacts to these thoughts in the mind, and it builds and builds and builds, and it's going to end in sexual immorality. God created sex to be enjoyed by one woman and one man in the confines of marriage. Any sexual activity that does not fit that definition is not to be part of the believer's life. Do you know that there are more than 20 sexually transmitted diseases, or infection? they call them infections now, STIs instead of STDs, there's more than 20. How many would exist if everyone followed God's plan for sex? None. They'd be gone. 
right now, if everybody just kept their pants on, except for the husbands and wives, it would be over. HIV, all of those would be gone. I mean, no, no masks, no uh, in, uh, trans, uh, vaccinations, nothing. All you have to do is keep your pants on. It's gone. All of those. It'd be the end of them all. Super simple. Just following God's plan. Covetousness, I have a quote here. Or covetousness, it can, it can apply to sexual desires. I mean, we can covet those things, a person in that way, as well as anything or everything else. So covetousness is the sin of always wanting more, whether it be more things or more pleasures. The covetous person is never satisfied with what he has, and he is usually envious of what other people have. This is idolatry, for covetousness puts things in the place of God. Thou shalt not covet is the last of the Ten Commandments. Yet this sin can make us break all of the other nine. A covetous person will dishonor God, takes God's name in vain, lie, steal, and commit every other sin in order to satisfy his sinful desires. Do, do believers in local churches commit such sins? Unfortunately, sometimes they do. Do you know that each of the New Testament epistles sent to the local churches 2,000 years ago makes mention of these sins and warns against them, every single one? Do you remember what the Council of Jerusalem, when the church leaders gathered together uh, in the book of Acts to determine if the Gentile believers needed to follow the Jewish law? Remember, there was a lot of pressure. They need to get circumcised. They need to follow all the feasts and go through all of that. So the council convened. And here's the judgment in, in uh, verse 19 of Acts chapter 15. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn from God, but should write them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. The letter asks for obedience in two commands and a willingness to agree to two personal concessions. The two concessions were that they would be willing to abstain from eating blood and meat uh, from animals that had died by strangulation or died with the, without draining the blood. So still, it's all about the eating blood, consuming blood. The two commandments were that the believers would avoid idolatry and sexual immorality. That was it. Out of all the 16 uh, or 613, thank you, commandments, this is it. Idolatry and sexual immorality, because this was a big problem for, uh, and very prevalent among the Gentiles and these pagan nations, and it's a big problem for believers at that time, 2,000 years ago, and, it's, and it hasn't gotten any easier, has it? How many marriages are destroyed by sexual immorality and covetousness? You know, according to uh, a study published by the National Institute of Health, one partner in 88% of couples studied cited infidelity as a major contributing factor for their divorce. 88%, a major contributing factor. Sexual immorality, adultery. The point being, God always has our best interest in mind. Living under his direction is not holding good things back from us, unless you consider an STD and your marriage being destroyed, a good thing, which certainly you don't. 
He gives us this direction to protect us because he loves us. So Colossians, back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. This putting off and the putting on, it's a picture of a person changing clothes is the idea behind it. It relates to the resurrection of Jesus when he rose from the dead and he left the grave clothes behind. Remember the, the, uh, what he was buried in was still there. It was left there. He had entered into a glorious resurrection life and he had no need for these grave clothes. And for us, the grave clothes represent the old life with its sinful deeds. Now, now that we have a new life in Christ, we, we must walk in that newness of life by putting off the old deeds and the old desires. And we do this by practicing our position in Christ, by reckoning our old lives to be dead and our new lives to be alive together with Christ. And Paul starts with anger, wrath, and malice. Sins of bad attitude towards others. The word anger is described is describing here a, a habitual attitude. While wrath refers to this sudden outburst of anger, malice is the attitude of ill will towards a person. If we have malice towards a person, we don't like when they are successful and we're glad when they have trouble. This is sinful. This is not loving others in the same way that we love ourselves. Slander or blasphemy describes speech that tears others down. You know, often Christians uh, will do this kind of malicious gossip, you know, masquerading as spiritual concern. You know, I would never tell you about her, you know, except that, you know, you need to know to pray about it. And, uh, you know, doing it in a way of gossip. Evil speaking is caused by malice. You know, if you have a deep-seated ill will towards a person, you'll use every opportunity to say something bad about them. Obscene talk or filthy communication is just that. It's foul speech, coarse humor, obscene language. For some reason, often Christians think it's manly or hip to use this kind of speech. To me, it's just sheer laziness. Too lazy to think of a decent adjective. So you just plug in a four-letter curse word. You know, instead of saying, that wore-out old truck broke down again, a person will say, that sexual intercourse truck broke down again. And instead of describing it as a rust bucket, they'll refer to it as fecal matter. Everybody knows what's being said, but it's a pretty ugly way to say it. You probably heard it said... Do you kiss your mother with that mouth, you know, after someone says something? But as a believer, we might say, do you share the good news of Jesus with that mouth? Probably not with that person after you just blasted their minds with filth, right? Finally, Paul, uh, the final sin Paul names is lying. And he wrote this same thing to the believers in Ephesus. John 8, says, You are your father the devil, 
And your will, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, you are, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Satan. John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, I will send I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. Satan is the father of lies. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. A lie is any misrepresentation of the truth, even if the words are accurate. You know, a tone of voice. If you say it sarcastically, it can be... You can make it into a lie, even if you use the correct words. The look on the face, the gesture of the hands, it can alter the meaning of a sentence. And so can the motive of the heart. You know, if, if your watch is wrong and you give your friend the wrong time, that's not a lie. A lying involves the intent to deceive for the purpose of personal gain. You know, God saved us from this world and from the ruler of this world to himself. Why would we want our speech to represent Satan instead of representing God? Here's a funny story. Bishop Warren, Bishop Warren A. Candler was preaching about the lies of Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira, remember in Acts chapter 5. And he asked the congregation, if God still struck people dead for lying, where would I be? And the congregation snickered a bit, but the smiles disappeared when the bishop shouted, I'll be right here preaching to an empty church. <laughs> but, and he probably was the following Sunday, right? And uh, after a comment like that. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 10 says, And I have put on, ha and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Because we are alive in Christ, we need to seek the things that are above. And because we died with Christ, we need to put off the things that belong to the old sinful nature. The result is that we become like Jesus. God wants to renew us and to make us into the image of his son. Now, that doesn't make us deity. Only God is God. But it makes, it, makes us look like him. You ever heard the term spitting image? He's like the spitting image of his father. It's interesting. It has an unclear origin. But one theory is that it comes from the phrase, the spirit and image. Uh, in which case, you would say he is the spirit and the image of his father, meaning the child has the same spirit or acts like his father, and he looks like his father. Is there more an amazing thing that could be said about us, that we are the spirit and image of our heavenly father, right? The Greek verbs translated put off and put on indicate it's a once and for all action. You know, when we put our trust in Jesus, we put off the old life and we put on the new life. The old man has been buried. The new man is now in control. It's once and done. 
However, the verb translated renewed is a present participle, meaning who is constantly being renewed. And it's referring to the process we call sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. So as believers, we've once and for all put on the new man, and we are, and we are continually being renewed. You know, we are born of the Spirit, and then we are growing to become more and more like Jesus. Well, how does this renewal, how does this growth come about? It comes about through knowledge. The better we get to know Christ, the more we become like him. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, reads, But whatever, I gain, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, man was created in the image of God. And this image of God, it involves man's personality, our intellect, our emotion, our will, and it involves man's spirituality, right? It's, we're more than just a physical body. When Adam sinned, this image of God, it was disfigured, we could say. Adam's children were born in the image of their father. They were born in the image of Adam. But in spite of the ravages of sin, man still bears the image of God. You know, we were formed in God's image and then kind of deformed from God's image by sin. But through Jesus Christ, we can be transformed into God's image once again. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. As we grow in the knowledge and the word of God, we will be transformed by the spirit of God to share in this glorious image of God. God transforms us by the renewing of our minds. John 8:31 says, "So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, that word abide comes from live in, right? Like my home, people say my humble abode. That's the root word. If you abide, if you live in my word, Jesus says, you truly are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The renewing of our minds involves the study of God's word. It is the truth that sets us free from this old life of sin. Colossians verse, chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 again. And I have put on the new self, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Our distinctions and differences should not be a barrier to fellowshipping in the church. In Jesus, all human distinctions disappear. In Christ, we're told right here, there's no nationalities, neither Greek nor Jew. There's no recognition of formal religious differences, circumcision or non-circumcision. There's also no cultural differences in Christ, barbarian, Scythian. You know, the Greeks considered all non-Greeks to be barbarians, and the Scythians were considered the lowest of the barbarians. Yet in Jesus, a person's cultural status gives no advantage or disadvantage. And the same goes for pers a person's economic or political status, bond or free, he says. Even the differences between the sexes is gone. Uh, in, Galatia, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you are as baptized into God have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ. The emphasis of this letter to the Colossians, Christ is in all, Christ is all and is in all. That in all things he might have preeminence. Because we are complete in Christ, we can look past the earthly differences that separate people and we can be united spiritually in the Lord, right? Through all these things. I have a quote here. We are alive in Christ, therefore we should seek the heavenly. We are dead in Christ, therefore we should slay the earthly. We have become like Christ, therefore we must strengthen the Christly and permit the Spirit to renew our minds, making us more into the image of God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for making us, allowing us, to be transformed into the image of you, into your image, Lord, a, a picture of you, a reflection of you and how perfect you are and how amazing you are and full of love and grace and mercy and all those amazing attributes, Father, that we are so thankful that you uh, possess, that those are you, Lord, that you are life and that you are light and that you are love, Lord. And Father, we just ask that you would be with us. Lord, help us. And uh, you tell us in your word that this, this, our flesh and our spirit are at war, that this is a battle. Sometimes uh, in reading this, it, it, seem, it is simple, Lord, but it's not easy, I guess. And Father, so I just ask that you would help us, Lord, that you would empower us, that you would give us your strength, Lord, uh, that you would just... Bring your spirit upon us that we could have the strength and the power to live, to put that old flesh to death, Lord, and to live in and through you, to keep our minds on you, Lord, that we would, if, if we're struggling in any of those areas, Lord, of, of the sexual immorality, the covetousness, the uh, lying, the slandering, any of that, Lord, we just ask that you would just... Break us free from that, Father, that we would, we know that you give us the power to do that. And so, Father, we just ask that you would bring that power upon us right now.
that we would truly walk in you with our minds set on you, on the earthly, on the heavenly things, not the earthly things, Lord. So, Lord, just be with us today. Watch over us. Fill us with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, I'm available. Pastor Daniel is back there. Serge, any one of us. We'd love to pray with you.
Lord, we just take a moment. All that stuff that we know was festering in there. All that anger and wrath. All that impurity. All that covetousness. Just purge it from us. Lord, you are the strength of our heart. Our hearts are wicked and deceitful. Who could know? But you know, God. Try us and test us. Root out anything that doesn't belong
to be nearer to you. We want to be nearer in spirit to you, Lord. Nearer in likeness to you. Nearer in the image of Christ. So we're going to need the blood of Jesus. That's going to wash us clean. It can be whiter than snow. Can you imagine listening through that entire sermon and hearing all of those words and knowing that you're guilty of every last one of them and there being no blood of Jesus? Man, man. Praise you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. We are washed from head to toe, white as snow, pure and spotless before you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, God. We ask that you would bless our fellowship today, bless the food that we're going to partake of, and just as we finish out with this very last little short song, because it's birthday Sunday. Graham's one of our birthday people. Who's our birthday people? Are we singing? Who else is, who else is September? Ada? Greg? 
Graham, Ada, Greg. Anybody else? Monica. Graham, Ada, Greg, Monica. Last call. Last call for birthdays. Please remember to tip your bartenders and your waitresses. That's it? All right. Graham, Ada, Greg, Monica. Can you guys remember all that? Then let's do it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Graham, Ada, Greg, and Monica. But especially Monica. Birthday brownies out there somewhere. Get you some. That's it. All right, we got it finally. You guys are dismissed. <laughs>